This episode and the entire season is proudly brought to you by California Cryobank. Use code QueerFam for a free level two subscription at cryobank.com. The Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. So I remember this notification coming through. So I logged on and you were at work as well. Mm. And I said, oh my God, I think we've just found our children. I said, log on, log on. And you logged on. And you, you, you said the same, right? Yeah, it was twin boys with a Portuguese heritage. It wasn't something we were looking for. We weren't looking for twins. We weren't looking for a Portuguese heritage. You know when it clicks, yeah. and you just think, "This is I'm a twin. You're Portuguese. This is this is like a match made in heaven. This is it." Um, to the wow. point that we stopped. We we deactivated yeah. our profile and put all our effort into the uh, the two boys. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Queer Family Podcast, y'all. The show all about family, but with gay. (laughs) My name is Jamie. I am your host. And you, my beautiful friends, are tuning into the show whose mission is to highlight, uplift, celebrate, and normalize our beautiful LGBTQIA plus families in all of our beautiful identities, y'all. And this episode does not disappoint on that front. I had the supreme pleasure of sitting down with Eddie and Aurelio, otherwise known as Fortunate Dads on social media. They have an account that they created to basically be the representation that they didn't see on their family building journey towards getting their two boys. They went down the adoption route um, to create their gorgeous family. And what struck me the most about this interview with them, this conversation with them is, you know, they went down the road that has no science, right? So there is, there is that you take away that unknown, the science part. And still, even with just kind of a straightforward path that has steps you have to take to get to, and, you know, hopefully at the end, you do get the family that you are meant to have. It still was such a process. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But woo. They went through some hoops to create this family of theirs, and I'm so happy they did, and I'm so happy they're being the visibility that, that, that we need to see in the world to help normalize families like ours. Um, and they're just beautiful, doing great things. I can't wait for you to hear the interview. But if- Now, there is one thing I want to share about the interview you're about to hear. We had a little sound issue that we didn't realize was happening when we were recording, but when my magical, magical editor, Jerson, went in to edit it, there was something happening where anytime I spoke over... <laughs> Eddie and Aurelio, which I do, I do it from time to time, my voice cuts out. And so he did his very best to try not to have that happen often. So what ended up happening is we did cut out a lot of me talking as much as we could, especially when when I'm talking over them. (laughs) So it's a little bit different this week. You won't hear me prodding them, asking the questions as much or chiming in like I do, which you actually might appreciate that. You might not want to hear me as much as you do. So if that's the case, wow, I'm winning over here. But just please, while you're listening, there it does show up here and there in this episode, this sound issue. And just, you know, listen with a grain of salt, listen with understanding and compassion. And please know that that is not my norm. I do not like to have bad sound. 
in any of my episodes, but this conversation was so beautiful that I just wanted to still wanted to share it with y'all. And it's not terrible. It's not that bad. You can make it through. I know you can, but listen with a grain of salt, please. And just know we are aware. <laughs> and thank you. And Jerson is bomb, right? Send a note to Jerson telling him, Jerson, you the bomb. <laughs> I know kids don't say that anymore, but I just did. So there, before I roll that tape, I have some listener mail to read, y'all. I love it when y'all reach out, and I got one for you right here. This one uh, came in through text on our voicemail. They texted me. There's so many ways to reach out to me. So many ways, and I'll tell you after this what they are. This listener wrote, Hi, just wanted to send a quick text to thank you for all of your hard work making this podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, but more particularly, for making so many episodes highlighting trans parenthood journeys. I'm transmasculine and am just starting out on a journey to hopefully become a gestational parent. Ooh, send in baby dust, send in baby dust. And I can't tell you how awesome it's been to hear from other trans people who have carried pregnancies on your podcast. There's not enough content sharing the stories of trans parents, and you're doing so much to fill the gap. Living in the Midwest, I don't see a lot of trans parents around, so it's just awesome to see those stories pop up in my podcast feed over and over. And then in all caps, thank you. No, thank you. Oh my God, I love, you made my morning, you are making my week, whoever you are, I don't have a name, but thank you so much for reaching out and saying that. I am trying, I am trying to be inclusive of everybody in our beautiful rainbow. Yes, I called it a rainbow, did you see? hear what I did there. But I do. I want to include all of the stories. So thank you for that validation. And I'm constantly looking for more. So if you're listening right now and you're like, I should tell my story, I should totally tell my story. Yeah, you totally should. Reach out to me. Email me at thequeerfamilypodcast at gmail.com. DM me. Find me on the socials at the Queer Family Podcast. Or you can also give me a phone call at 646-470-1840. And drop me a line there. Drop me a text, whatever you want. I love hearing from you all. Be you an L, be you a G, a B, a T, a Q, an A, an ally, whatever. If you have something you want to share, I want to hear it. So please reach out. Don't send me mean things though, please. <laughs> I get enough of that on YouTube. Oh my God, I don't understand YouTube. Somebody, can y'all please go in YouTube for me? I'm asking for a friend who's me. Can you go and just put some positive comments? on these posts because I can't believe everything I post, I get negative comments from, they're probably teenage boys. I don't even know, but it's not cute and I'm tired of it. And I'm ready to send a complaint to YouTube at this point because it's just crazy. I don't understand. Anyways, that's it. I got to roll this tape. I love all of you. I'm so happy you tune in week after week. Please continue to do so and please continue to reach out because I want to tell all the stories. We deserve a voice out there. So let's do this, y'all. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask Helen Beulah, my fake assistants, to tell Nicole, who's my real assistant, who actually does things for me, not like Helen and Beulah, who just sit around smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey all the time, to please, please tell Nicole <laughs> to roll that tape. Thank you, Nicole and Helen and Beulah. If I don't say thank you to them, they like make my life miserable. It's not fun. Oh, my God. Okay. Roll that tape, please. Thank you. <laughs> Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. Hi, Aurelio Eddie. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Queer Family Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're just going to jump right in, fellas. How do we feel about this? 
Mm, a bit nervous. It's fine. <laughs> We're ready. Don't be nervous. Don't be We're nervous. Ready. You're going to get 30 seconds, and I Ooh. will never cut you off. Everybody knows it. You're just going to keep going, but it's very fun, and I can't wait to hear your description of who you mm. are and why you're here talking to the Queer Fam Squad. On your marks. Get set. Go. Okay, I'm Eddie, and I'm Aurelio, and we are Fortunate Dads. And the reason why we're Fortunate Dads is in... 2020 we were lucky enough to start our family by adopting two boys uh andre and ricardo um it was quite a journey mm -hmm. um but we uh want to share our journey about our adoption process to make sure people understand what that's like especially if it differs across the world because it does and provided the provider um and also where it started in terms of lockdown boom that was beautiful that was beautifully said, beautifully done. You encapsulated exactly what we're going to mm, talk well about done. so beautifully. Mm. So well done. All right, let's dig in. Can we talk about Aurelio and Eddie and where it all began? We've been together for 13 years now. And, oh, Thank you. I know it's, uh, it's a long time. <laughs> a very long time. I know. We did the traveling, the exploring. We then bought a house together and we just thought, we, we've always wanted to be a family and it was just the right time. We did a lot of research. We looked into surrogacy and we felt adoption was the route for us. Before we get into the, the adoption, I want to talk about, I kind of want to like dig into your ideas of being parents from the beginning, you know, like, so take me, take me back. Like, did you always want to be a parent or did that come later? How did that come about? Because that's always a huge topic with us mm. LGBTQIA plus folks. It's something yeah. that we have to hash out and figure out once we realize that we might need help. I mean, I've always wanted to be a parent. Um, I've got quite a big family. I've got a uh, identical twin brother and a sister who is five years older. Mm -hmm. um, my sister has two children, so it was nice to see them grow up even though they lived um, in Dubai at the time. So we didn't see them as much as we wanted to. Wow. But we used to have lots of family parties growing up. And that was always a staple in terms of uh, birthdays and uh, New Year's parties. So I wanted to be a part of that. For me, it was completely different. I'm, I'm an only child. So for me, naturally wanted a big family. I'd craved it. So for me, it, it was something we, we discussed fairly early on in our relationship and we were both in agreement that we yeah. we did want a family at some point and then it was deciding how many because <laughs> you know a lot of our friends have one or two or more right. so we learned a lot about that during the journey and what would be kind of best for us mm. yeah yeah and then go, let's go into this because you said you kind of toyed with the you, you looked into surrogacy and decided that that wasn't the best route for you what were the reasons there well, there's a financial commitment, uh, for one. Um, we wanted to buy a house at the time. And it's expensive in London. One of my favorite quotes from an episode I did way, way back was, it was two, two dads. And they mm. said, you know, like we had to make the decision, were we going to have a baby or were, were we going to buy an apartment in New York City? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's literally, this is the kind of money we're talking. So Yeah, yeah it's expensive. Um, and also, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have my mum's aunt who's adopted. My aunt, her, she has a biological son, um, but she also had an adopted son as well. So we were immersed Aww. with it. We knew kind of things that had happened in terms of foster care and then moving into an adoption, into having those um, adopted children in your family. We didn't naturally need that. You know, it had to be 
from us kind of thing, yeah. biologically. When we start to research and seeing how many children were in the system, it was actually quite sad, uh, quite uh, ignorant into adoption and fostering before we started looking into it. We both work in right. education, so we work with lots of children from a wide demographic, mm. from looked after children, children in need. So we know that social context as well in terms of the jobs that we do. What is the landscape over there on the other side of the pond, so to speak, up for adoption and foster care? I know, I know what it, what it is like here, but in terms of the process, well, in terms of numbers, in terms of numbers, in terms of what you said you were kind of ignorant to, it's high. Well, um, as we went through the process, you know, there's thousands of children, thousands and thousands, and. Mm not just an adoption that sit in the foster system mm -hmm. for their entire life. For me, and then talking to Aurelio and exploring what we wanted to do as a family, you know, making sure that we had someone that felt loved and cared for, mm. like my cousin, um, like my mum's aunt, um, that mm. was key. And, and the more you go into the process, but here, you hear and you're exposed to, mm. to the amount yeah. of children and also the severity of some of the cases. So that's where it kind of started mm. for us. Yeah. But there is a big need. So it's pretty much similar, you know, sadly, yeah. sadly. I was hoping mm. it was like, you know, a lot better, but. No, no, unfortunately. And, you know, it seems to have got worse as well in, in some respects. It's getting harder in terms of need, mental health mm. from parents, mm -hmm. carers, and, and then their children. So I think COVID right. hasn't helped in terms of that knock-on effects. But, yeah, that's mm. where it started mm. and that's where the kind of the want came from because there's so many children that just need to be loved and cared for. It yeah. makes you think when you get further down the road, because I often, I'll jump about by the way, but when we I got our that. children and, and, you know, I remember him out of reception. So there were three and they'd done this test and they failed on this test. Well, they, their first attempt in learning, I call it, they failed first attempt in learning. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, we're failed as parents. <laughs> you know, we're oh, really yeah. bad. And my mum was over and said, why are you crying? And I said, because oh. I feel like a failure. And you said, you said, why are you crying? They're happy, they're mm. healthy, they're loved and cared for. Mm. And it strikes a chord. You know, they'll be the mm. best we can offer them and the best they want to be. I think that's the point as well. You know, we all want better to be better than our parents mm. and we want them to be better than us. Yeah, and loved and cared for and mm. healthy and fed. Yeah. I mean, that, that strikes a deep chord. It yeah. really does. Yeah. All right, so you decided, okay, there's all these children in the system. We're going to go down this path. And then what happens? So in this country, you have to choose a provider. So we chose a local provider, didn't we? You can either go through an agency. We have a local boroughs. Borough. I'm not too sure how it works there. Like a district? Here you can go through an agency or you can go through um, like a private adoption route, unless you're talking about fostering. We looked into adoption yeah. first, but there is an option where you could foster to adopt. So you go uh -huh. through the fostering option and then adoption, but that wasn't the right. right path for us. You have your adoption training. It's kind of like you have a an extra course that you have to do if you want to foster to adopt. And that basically or more focuses on just born, Younger. newborn. So mm. that would be your chance to maybe have a baby because it's really difficult. Well, it's not difficult. It does happen. Mm. Some of our friends have had babies, but it's harder to have a newborn mm. or as close yeah. to newborn. So people choose to foster adopt, but there's there's risks in terms of that that child you foster may go back to a guardianship or back to their family, right. mm. and that is always the goal of the foster system yeah. is mm. to come back with, with family. So yeah, exactly. same here. For us, it was a key focus. It was. 
So we chose our borough, which is kind of like the council, probably that's the easiest way. We inquired and we had a, we had we a meeting. Did. We? So we did um, an information session where they talk about the process and how it works. Mm. Um, they also um, invite a, a parent and they talk about their their path and their history and the process mm. and how they found it. He was really good, actually. We, we really enjoyed. Yeah. And we, we ended up deciding on that local authority because of that person and the social workers that were there and how enthusiastic they were in terms of what they could, you know. Yeah. It just felt personable rather than a big organisation. But then it changed slightly, but it didn't change much for us. No, no. And for us, it was great because we we managed to keep the same social worker. So all through the kind of first meeting that Aurelio just talked about, all the way through we were great we we were happy mm. but it didn't it didn't happen for everyone on our group hmm. and that, that that's the thing when you go to that first meeting it's quite nice to see that there's lots of different people in that room mm. in that initial meeting there was two same sex couples both males mm. and then there was mixed uh, couples from different demographics there was an older couple that brought mm. their eldest daughter with them so she was 18 oh, wow. and they were looking to adopt someone younger to give back Oh, wow. It's nice, it was wasn't it? Nice. It was. A lot of times when I talk to folks who've adopted, um, especially folks who are queer, well, obviously I'm talking to everybody who's queer who adopted, <laughs> but um, sometimes they'll say, you know, you go to that first initial meeting and all of the queer people in the room are really excited because, you know, like this is an exciting thing. This is the decision yeah, yeah. we made. We're not mourning the fact that we can't make a biological kid, but a lot yeah. of non-queer folks are there after they've been trying for a yes. while. And so there is some sense of like giving up or sadness mm. in the room that, that a lot of the queer folks weren't expecting when they went because it was yeah. like such an exciting thing for them to finally be on the path, right? That's true. That's Did you true. notice anything like that? We met quite a few um, couples like that. Part of the process, um, we had to do five days of training mm-hmm. at a local charity and some of the couples there mm. were in that position. They'd gone through IVF rounds multiple times. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah, there were so right. many different couples. And like Eddie said, there were same-sex couples. It was nice to see a good mix of people. Mm. Everyone went through, they call it a loss day, mm. and it talks about loss. So actually, mm. even though you feel you're going down a different pathway, it actually aligns you because mm. everyone's experienced a loss in terms of it could be a parent or a sibling or a friend. And and, mm-hmm. and it was really quite an emotional workshop. There was. Was, there was four couples in the room with a counsellor. It was the whole day and it was talking about loss and de- dealing with it. You had to engage in some therapeutic play. Mm. You had to make oh, your yes. own plasticine family and mm-hmm. things like that. And it was really nice because you didn't feel different. You mm. just felt exactly the same that everyone's going through this process of you know, this is life and loss is a part of life. Mm. It's how you deal with it. And actually for, for us, we walked out and said that was that was it amazing. Was, was. Like everyone should do this because yeah, like it, a therapy session. Yeah. It, it was. It was a little bit. Yeah, it was. And it but it was I don't in, know if they do that here. Oh, they don't. I don't know, because I've never been through this particular process. Right. Um I know they do have they do have trainings that they have to take. It's pretty similar to what yeah. you're describing, but I don't know about a loss day. Yeah. Really beneficial. Really mm. beneficial. That's amazing. So you go through the process to get ready to adopt, and then and then where do we go? 2018 we started. So December 2018, was, yeah. we went to the first meeting, mm. and then you had to fill in like a, loads of forms, wasn't it? It was. It, it was quite intense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then they contacted us and said, we may not be able to have you this round because we've got a high influx of same-sex mm. couples at the moment. Oh. It was. We were like, <laughs> move out the way. Move out the way. <laughs> you compete with your fellow gays. Come on now. Come on. Um, we're all family here. Exactly. But um, we were lucky that, you know, we put the papers in and then obviously they, they got back to us and we, yeah. we were successful. And then... There's two main stages. The first stage was paperwork. So mm. mm-hmm. they start with doing a full medical. So you have to do a full medical with your doctor. You also need to do a background check, which we call mm-hmm. DBS, which is police and criminal activity. Crim- yeah, criminal. Mm-hmm. And then the training. That all encompasses stage one. Once you finish that, which takes about three to four months. Probably. Yeah, that first part where once you've done that paperwork, it's really quite intense they come around your house and have Mm. a look at your house first we had a dog at the time unfortunately he passed away bless him but they had to do a dog assessment Mm. yeah we love rupert but they done an assessment and then we had like again therapy sessions where they would talk to us about our relationship about things we've dealt with um how long we've been together ex-partners ex-partners yeah, yeah. Um, and your families too, right? Yes. Like taking it all the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. references and references from that, the family. But then we had to do individual ones. They mm. were kind of they they kind of like triangulate things, so they'll revisit questions and mm. and kind of that she's just sitting there making notes just and you're like, away. it's so nerve wracking. It, it is nerve wracking. We do home studies. Like if you do second parent adoption, and probably for regular adoption too. Like here we have to do second parent adoption just to protect our families yeah all of us and they do a home study and they ask all of mm. these invasive questions that you're you feel like oh my god oh my god don't see the wrong thing yeah, don't see yeah. the wrong thing yeah you do and you feel like oh god i shouldn't have said that but you just got to be true to yourself it is. you know yeah. and if you if you're true to yourself and the core like moral compass of why you want a family it's intense like it's, it's three hour well. three hour sessions mm. And the yeah. other side of that is getting out, you know, going to your boss and your HR and your wherever you work, and it's quite time intensive. Mm. So we right. need another three hours yeah. because we've got this meeting. I need two hours because I've got this meeting, and that's just the beginning. Mm. <laughs> right. You know, it gets it gets more intense as the process goes on. Then what happens? Once we finish all that, we go to panel, it consists of independent people that. Oh, yeah. from all different walks of life they read your your initial application and either grant you it's either yes or no mm. however you're in front of what was it almost 10 people yeah. and they're just asking you questions okay. same reasons um why do you want to adopt why did you go with that agency everything it's quite intense because you're sitting there and you're thinking oh my god we've done all this and they're asking questions um, and you feel judged. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Well, yeah, they're asking you every single thing about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's like a, almost like a judge. It's not a judge, but there's a, there's a chair and then there's like a medical professional. There's mm. normally an education professional. It's all different. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. And it's nerve-wracking. Yeah, okay. And, and then what? <laughs> so, so then you get approved. You go on to stage two. So we both have to have an, a report and it's individual to ourselves. It's almost like a, a mini biography. Well, it's, exactly, it's the prospective adopter report. So they build this full report that is going to kind of then travel through mm. all the way through to your final adoption. And at the same time mm-hmm. on the other side, which you don't have any idea this is happening, but the children will have a report as well. So mm. they start building a picture and then obviously they've mm-hmm. built a picture. So, you know, we're successful on stage one. 
and now kind of the next layer of questioning you know do you want one child do you want two mm. you know don't have right. three ages <laughs> quite quite a few. yeah so that starts drilling right. down into what your family will look like mm. because okay. then the following stage is how that moves forward so that's quite intense because mm. they make you think about everything in terms of you know i'm a sibling you're not a sibling how do does that work for you mm. will it work for you it's quite a lot to cope with so you need time as well questions about like would you take in a child with would you be willing yeah. to take a child that has a disability and that's a difficult one because disabilities come in all different shapes and sizes mm. so what does a disability look like especially as you mentioned mental health so it's really difficult and plus if they're younger you wouldn't necessarily know if, if there was a disability until mm-hmm. it was diagnosed mm-hmm. so even if you did say no you know you still could potentially encounter totally some sort of children that they've adopted and they may have fetal alcohol syndrome mm. or global de- development delay or you know even even andre you know it's difficult I, I know i'm jumping but when you get to a point where you have to go to optician appointments and mm-hmm. he's got quite bad eyes and they said well what's his heritage what's his eyes mm. you know what's his parents eyes like i was like well, i don't know um, so it's yeah. those kind of things that, you know, they yeah. start kind of teasing what will your family look like. Mm. And it's difficult because you feel a bit guilty. Oh, yeah. No, I've talked to other folks who've, who've adopted and fostered Yeah, with these questions. It's very hard to answer these questions. And also mm. it's a self-reckoning. True. You're right. It's self-reckoning. But, and, the, and the way we got through with it is, you know, we can't have a biological child. So at least right. we'll have an, an input, some input, because we never know what the future holds about what our family initially looks like uh, and that's the offset from not having a biological child yeah so it sounds like they did they do a lot of due diligence like mm, they they, they cover all the bases so you answer questions in person you fill out questionnaires you do all <laughs> the things did you have to make a book we did yeah and a video so you have to create the report with the social worker so that's your work with them they generally write it but it's all your your information and then as you move down you start on a uh, a book uh, but that's once you go through the next phase. So once mm. you've done the final report, that par, the interviews, you'll end up going to a second panel. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. And this time you either are or you haven't kind of started your journey looking for your family. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to have that in process. So I don't know how it works in the US, but we use LinkMaker here. Mm. It's an online platform where it has all the children's profiles so basically uh-huh. you are just going through a big database of children within your area uh-huh. and national yes yeah, so you, you can can be quite specific on location even down to age yeah. there's quite a few filters on there and then yeah. it gives you a short summary of the child or children because some uh-huh. some were siblings yeah some were up mm-hmm. to five siblings yeah. that you could adopt yeah i feel like in the states the adoptive parents don't get to look themselves. Really? I feel like you submit your stuff, you submit your book of who mm. you are, mm. and then the whoever the the agency or mm. whoever it is that that you're with kind of does the the well, outreach. That's, that's part of the link maker. So once we're on link maker, that's the platform they use here. We had a profile, so we had to put mm-hmm. four or five pictures of ourselves. Um, our dog at the time and we had to kind of put a description about me you Mm. and then what our family looks like in terms of 
our, our location. So, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've got a rural uh, area where there's a local park, blah, blah, blah. So the children's social workers are looking at yours as well. So that's kind mm-hmm. of similar, but you do get to then, you know, select the children that you want to kind of have a conversation about. However, it didn't happen in our, our circumstances, but no. however, you do get a family finder, which is a similar situation to what you were saying, where they find the prospective yeah. children, child for you. So it dep- I think it depends on the agency and... Mm. Your social worker. Yeah. I mean, one of the most heartbreaking things is when you're on this website is the children up for adoption are only good as their social worker. And mm. we know that the social system is stretched. So some children right. have an essay about them and, you know, that you can't, it's not specific, but mm. it's, you know, they're, they're fun, they're bubbly, they're interactive, and then some have hardly any information. So it's a really unfair system mm. in terms of placing children on an even level playing field. Mm-hmm. That's what we saw. Mm. It, it was mm. quite upsetting. Ugh, yeah. Mm. We'll be right back. All right, so Aurelio and Eddie went the adoption route, which is a great and viable path for our families. And some of us um, really want that genetic tie. And you know what? Every path is valid. Every path is beautiful. And so if you are one of those folks who does want a biological tie to your future child or children, I have a promo code for you, y'all. You know I do. (laughs) And it's from the same cryobank I use to make my babies at. It's California Cryobank, y'all. And it's a full service sperm bank. And for over 45 years, California Cryobank has proudly helped Tens of thousands of LGBTQIA plus clients create the families of their dreams, including yours truly. And they are the number one sperm bank in the U.S. And they ship to over 40 countries. And they have one of the largest and most diverse selection of sperm donors. So all you have to do is visit cryobank.com and you're going to use promo code QUEERFAM for a free level two subscription to their donor catalog. This code can also be used for a really great discount on the level three subscription, which gets you even more things. So Let's make those babies, y'all. Go do this. Go enter that code. Go shopping. Let's look at some sperm. I guess we're not looking at sperm, though. (laughs) Let's find your donor. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get back to Aurelio and Eddie. Love is love. And where are are most of the children that are in this system? So foster care, generally. It depends on the area as well. It might be that if there was a local um, birth parent that had an issue in the local area, it probably would mean that that child would be placed out of area if, in case there was any you know, issues around being adopted locally. Mm-hmm. But they're all over, uh, all over the UK. So you'll see as you scroll through Wales or Northampton or London or Essex mm-hmm. or wherever, and you get notifications in your email, there's, n- there's mm-hmm. a new match potentially added you know so you can sign in and have a look it's quite intense at at the time yeah and overwhelming as well because when you're going through profile after profile and you're thinking it's almost Mm. a rejection each time it's quite draining it is emotional draining so you were matched 
numerous times? We looked at a few matches. We kind of followed it up with our social worker. Like I said, our social worker was really brilliant. Mm. So kept on making contact until we got into conversations about what what do we really want. So we kind of like focused in on two siblings. Mm. I'm a Mm -hmm. twin. Aurelio's got Portuguese heritage. I remember it. I was at work. (laughs) And it was break time, so I wasn't working. But Well, I was working, but it was break time. Because you work all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, right. Yes. So I remember this notification coming through. So I logged on, and you were at work as well. Mm. And I said, oh, my God, I think we've just found our children. I said, log on, log on. And you oh logged God. on, and you, you, you said the same, right? Yeah. It was twin oh. boys with a Portuguese heritage. It wasn't something we were looking for. We weren't looking for twins. We weren't looking for a Portuguese heritage. You know when it clicks yeah. and you just think, this is, I'm a twin, you're Portuguese. This is, this is like a match made in heaven. This is it. Um, to the wow. point that we stopped, we, we deactivated yeah. our profile and put all our effort into the, uh, the two boys. Yeah. You're like, these are our babies. This is it. So yeah. what do you have to do? At that point, you just press a button. And you say, we're interested. <laughs> and then I thought it was going to be quicker. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. not. And then you, then it's a waiting game. And the social workers have to talk to each other. So the boy's social mm. worker would have to communicate with our social worker. They exchange the pass. They read through it, see if there's a potential match there. At the time, there was another couple yeah. in going through the process. So, Well, was- basically, they said it's might not happen because we're already talking to this other family mm. um so at that point because it is emotional we just said look look just, let's just wait because right these are ours and if it yeah. isn't we just need a bit of a break and we mm. learn that right. on lost day because it's emotional and you're connecting with you know children yeah. mm. so we said no let's mm-hmm. just hold off you know we believe that these are our children um and mm-hmm. we, we did didn't we we just mm. we did we just waited and then I think it was like it. two, three weeks later, there was a phone call and said, um, the social worker for the boys would like to come and meet you, do a house visit mm. and see if, you know, there's, there's a, a potential. potential match. Mm. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When? Tomorrow. God, this is so nerve wracking. Even was. just thinking about it. it was. Oh God. It's, yeah. So they and- come. Yeah. And we said, like, what do we put on a spread? Do we do a buffet? Uh, <laughs> like, did. what? Do we? What, do they like slur or do we sensey? We had some sensey on. I said, do we pour some wine? I don't know what we do. So we don't know what to do. Because you feel like, again, someone's coming into your house to go, hmm, dirty. Yeah. Uh, but you, you do. And you think, oh, my God, yeah. this is it. This is our chance to make it. Highest you know, stakes ever right here. Yeah. Highest Someone stakes. Tidy up. Put the child locks on, but you don't. You, you just go, this is our house, right? So right. they came over, didn't they? And she was lovely. Yeah, she was, she was so, amazing. She was so good, oh, wasn't yeah. she? And then she asked us some questions. She asked us kind of similar questions, but more focusing on the boys and why. Mm. And we talked about what I said in terms of being a twin, Portuguese heritage. Aurelio's mum and dad speak Portuguese, so that would be a great oh. way of keeping their, mm-hmm. you know, you know, mother tongue. Yeah. It was more casual. We yeah. we were thinking it was going to be more of a formal setting, lots of questions, and it was just the chat. It was yeah. just to get to know us, to to see our personalities and the setting, where the, the yeah. potential home, see their bedroom, where it would be, kind of yeah, things so. like that. Before she left, she said, "You know, this could be this." Yeah. Then you get your hopes up because she goes, "This could be a match," and we were like, okay. "So don't know what to say, don't know what to say." So she left, okay. and our social worker Great. remained. 
And we said, what does that mean? <laughs> she went, well, I've got to go back and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, God. Um, and it, it came about that the other family weren't quite what they were looking oh, for. And we were like, oh, okay. so what you're saying <laughs> is... It's a yes, and she said, oh, I've got to get back to you. And then we got a phone call saying, we think it's a match, we're moving forward. It was the best feeling ever, absolutely the best feeling ever. Because it took you like three years, no? They don't mm-hmm. really do much around Christmas, Easter, when it comes to adopting, because placements slow down because it's the holidays and things like that. Mm-hmm. So then we restarted in January, um, and then from January it was around about yeah 15 months, mm. just less, because okay. we – eventually the boys came to live with us just before covid so wow. it took mm. from oh january god. all that time, i know yeah. oh my god. all that training out the bag oh yeah <laughs> and now it's covid and we're stuck in the house yes. oh my god. great time to get to know each other it was because, like january through to the december because we thought we'd probably get get the boys slightly quicker but again they slowed down for christmas again so we knew everything was ready Round mm-hmm. about October, mm. but obviously they're in foster care and, um, you know, moving in during a holiday season is quite difficult. So mm-hmm. then we knew roughly it was going to happen sometime in January. Yeah. Um, so we just had to kind of just wait. But it gave us a bit of time, actually. It gave us time to decorate the room, even though our social work, you know, it's not set in stone yet because there's a third panel you need to go yeah. to. Oh, my gosh. This is too nerve-wracking. And that- where... Were the boys together? They were. They were. They were, um, in, they a, were in a foster, foster together. Yeah, the foster parent. Yes. She was great. She was. She was really, really good. She, oh, okay. You know, we didn't meet her until we met the boys at the third panel. Mm. So she was there. And we'd done a pre-meeting with her in January at the boys' house when the boys weren't there. And mm-hmm. it differs depending on, on your adoption uh, here. If it's a younger child, you might have what they call bumpings. Oh, yes. In the park. So basically, if they're if they're younger, then you would you would meet up in a park and go, oh, nice, you know, nice, nice to see you. I haven't seen you for a while, and and slowly introduce you to the the child that way. Oh, like I get it. Oh, okay. or an old friend, yeah. but generally younger mm-hmm. children that are that are babies, really. So pre yeah. two years. Mm. But our boys were around about two, mm. so we brought them home around about when they were two and a half. So. They they knew what they were looking at, so they were kind of engaged with numbers and games. Mm. So we had to make then we had to make a book of ourselves. And we had to make a video, <laughs> which is the most cringiest thing I've ever done in my life. But <laughs> Rio's good at it, so not the cringe. It's, it's, not really, <laughs> it, it, it could be a bit cringe. We we laugh at it, but we had to make a book. We had to make a video that then the foster care would play to the boys. But that was post panel. Sorry, the panel three was the other really nerve wracking mm, thing. It was. Because we had to take something that the boys would remember us by. So we had to mm. build into the book, had to build into the video, because then they'd show videos and pictures and stuff. It was really nerve wracking because right. it was more about, are you ready? Mm. You know, what What if the boys is the, are this or this or this? Like loads of hypothetical right. and things. It was also the final yes or no. It was yeah. the final stage. It was the final, will they finally be placed with us or not? That That is it. Yeah. So emotional. It was. I cry at anything anyway. But no, but I, it was. It was. It was intense. It was so intense. And but the the main chair, she was lovely. She, she, she was, was really good. There was again a panel of probably twelve because we had a couple of observers. Yes. So again, oh, wow. it's really intense. You're in a courthouse. 
Mm. So you or okay. town town hall. And then you're kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? And they say it there. They say it there. They say, you know, we're going to approve you. Mm. And then we got whisked away into this room and you start planning the next stage, which is more intense because you, you're worried about everything. It's Because mm. it, then you're worried about your work and kind of making it fit because you work on a, a transition program. Mm. So that's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So you know the boys. You know who they are. You're like in anticipating them coming you're hoping it's so nerve-wracking and the boys have they been in the foster care system their whole lives like we were lucky that the boys when they got um, removed from their birth family that they only had one foster parent oh okay and she was great um she also spoke spoke she was portuguese so she mm. spoke portuguese so again immersing oh. them in their mother tongue she had another child living with her at the time um, she had a husband, a daughter, the daughter just had a child. So it was a really lovely, lovely, lovely environment. Mm. And she was so good at setting down she was. like the boundaries, things like, mm-hmm. you know, they've gone to bed at this time. They don't get up and do this time. It's hard because once you go through that planning, you are having mm-hmm. to go into the adoptees, uh, sorry, the foster carers um, home. Yeah. And that's awkward in itself yeah. because it's not your home. But she was so mm-hmm. good about teaching us about the boys mm. wasn't she she was she was just phenomenal how long had she had them about a year and a half a year and a bit so they were 14 months they were babies months. Mm. yeah they were yeah, yeah. they were babies yeah. when they came to her so they yeah. they probably have no recollection of their birth families no 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 mm. i mean right. when when they were at school about six months ago they were talking about they do um sex education at low level and they said, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone was born, but we were in our foster carer's belly for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, no, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> but for them, that's all they, yeah. they knew. Yeah. But there's lots of layers behind that because, you know, you, you're in a class with children that have been naturally conceived with both parents mm-hmm. and they don't, know their, they don't know their story yet. Mm. And it's their story to tell. Yeah. No one else's story to mm-hmm. tell. It's their story to tell. And it's really difficult. So that later stage when you're dealing with educationists and, and things in classrooms and their history is, is difficult. But they know they're adopted because we're a same-sex couple. You know, they use the word adopted, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with our families. You know, we're t- we tell our kids their their origin stories from the start because we, ca- we really have to, yeah. right? There's yeah. no getting around it. It has to be explained to them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so they're really like, our kids are really in the know compared to some kids who mm. haven't ever thought about how I was created. Like, why yeah. would they think about that, right? Yeah, but that's we true. Yeah. talk about it a lot. So that's one of the things that makes us unique and super intentional and badass and amazing, in my opinion. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then they finally say, I, like, take me to the moment. Like, they're like, okay, they're coming. And then the moment they come, and then, like, I, I just, I just want to feel the, I want to feel the feeling. I want to feel it. Well, there's no feeling like it. Until you've been through the process, mm. there is no feeling like it because you just feel whole. Mm. You just feel whole and you've got so much anxiety, but you're, I mean, this is it. We were so, you're so focused and you're so uh, engaged and everything is to do with the boys that we didn't Mm -hmm. even notice the outside world changing in terms Mm. of COVID, you know, literally (laughs) we didn't at all because we were, 
we were leaving here and we were traveling for around about an hour and a half. So that's the intros. Yeah. So um, once you finish that process, you, you go into introductions for two weeks. Um, that involves slowly integrating yourselves into their lives. So you'd go for mm-hmm. a morning session and stay for breakfast and then go and then stay for half the day and see what they do up to lunch and then go. And you slowly build up to, to be there for the whole week. day. Yeah. It's over, over two weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah. The first week is um, there. And then ending where they come to you. But like Eddie was saying, this was when COVID was starting. Creeping up, creeping up. God. But so, we didn't realise it. So we'd leave here at six, maybe half five mm-hmm. in the morning, travel for an about hour and a half, and then spend the time there and then travel back. So then it's mm-hmm. those conversations mm-hmm. with work. You know, are you going to be in today? No. So much time. Mm, it's so, so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Our bosses were great. Yeah. I will say my head teacher at the time was absolutely phenomenal because you don't know until mm. you map out your plan of what that two weeks look like, depending on the children. You just don't know what it looks like. So it's really difficult to ring up and go, uh, yeah, you know, I thought I was going to be back tomorrow. Um, I'm not. Right, because you've right. also got adoption leave coming up. So you know that, well, yeah. Aurelio was the primary carer. So we, we knew we'd taken him into account in terms of he'd be at home. But I only had two mm-hmm. weeks adoption leave like you would have paternity leave. So mm. that was already planned. Um, okay. So it's difficult. Um, but that two weeks is intense. Mm, and then you bring them. So the first week at theirs and then the second week was at house. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mm-hmm. do things like your same thing, routine, breakfast, changing, if they need changing. And then did they sleep over? One, once, once. once. One night they slept over. But it's oh. that little thing about um, connection. So the, at the same <laughs> time when you're doing that, you're bringing bits with you from their home. You know, like a comfort oh, blanket yes. or their favorite teddy bear or some their favorite toy. Things or... they're familiar with. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it's that kind of added thing that you've got to think about because at the same time you're moving everything they own to your yeah. house at yeah. the same time. And that takes yeah. a lot of thinking and planning. You know, even down to, you know, we're using their car seats. We had to go and buy new car seats because <laughs> there's a time where we're taking them and the foster carer doesn't have them oh, anymore. Right. You need double. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you need double. Oh, um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite it's logistical totally nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also you're you're hoping that the that the kids are gonna adjust well and it's yeah. gonna and it's gonna go well. And it sounds like it, it went pretty well. Mm. Yeah, but it does. And you just have to think about you go back to training and our social worker is brilliant. It's kind of you've got to make mistakes as well in front of the children because you've got to exactly what you just said. You're setting new rules. Mm. Our house, not ours, but ours as a family. So mm. do we leave that door open or do we wear trainers or shoes in, in the house mm. or where do we put right. the, the table? And Reuse your, your bath towel or do you get a new one each time? Like <laughs> yeah. little tiny things that you don't yeah. think about with. Like- do you leave your bedroom door open of a night now or do you <laughs> sh- shut it or does the light need to be off or do they need a night light? Yeah. Um, right. And then safeguarding right. the house and things like that. So it's mm. all those things about, you know, that preparation and your support network's good. I mean, you're not meant to introduce your family. So it's still hard because you're living this emotional roller coaster as a family, but mm-hmm. you're not allowed to engage with nanny or auntie or brothers or mm. because it's a lot of faces mm. for children. So it's still baby steps. So you're trying to share your story, but we're talking, but you can't really put it across to anyone because it's so different and alien to them. 
that's why social right. media is so good because you can reach out and ask mm. people for you know what did you do when they said no or you know they were crying for three hours on the stair or something right, so right. you, you right. it's mm. that kind of thing mm. yeah you're kind of on your own so you go through the visits you go through all that and then they finally move in the 4th of march 2020 they officially Whoa. move in they officially move in right at the beginning like you are to, about to lock down so the day before he was meant to finish his leave you went in for <laughs> one day to do a, yeah. a return to work meeting and they went we're closing I went, what? I said, what's the matter? You need to get in there and do some photocopy. And I said, why? What's what's going on? They went, the school is shutting on Monday. I went, what do you mean it's shutting? What for? And they went, where have you been? I went, we've got two children. (laughs) Yeah, we just got two brand new kids just chilling. Because that first two weeks you're just immersed, that paternity is so quick. So you just got Mm. a card and you're tired and everything's new. And they're two. Yeah. They were two at the time. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah. That's a hard age in general. Right? I mean, I think every age is a terrible, has its own <laughs> oh, terrible yeah. aspect. But, say yeah. And you're trying to adjust and you're trying to get the kids to adjust, and they're two mm. and a mm. half, right? So, mm. ay, ay, ay. Okay, yeah. so then COVID happens, and then you, in a nutshell, what was that like for you? You know, you have these two new human beings living with you. It was nice because we obviously it's almost a double edged sword where you you have the opportunity to bond and spend mm-hmm. quality time with each other, but then you also didn't get the support. Did I deal with that situation correctly? Things in general, am I doing that correctly? Did you know right. what, what do I do next? What you know, how do I handle this? And just having that support network of yeah, you're fine, or or just having the support of saying no, you you're doing a good job. I mean, right. say, it's something we didn't have. Yeah, I mean, I, I ta- we both take our hat off to any 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 single adopters during that time, because oh my god, it must have been the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Mm. Because it was hard for us. Because mm. even though school was shut, I had to go in for a week, and then I'd be off for two weeks, then in for a week. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd come home and I'd just have to say, like, you've got to go. You've got just not go, go, but go upstairs, Wait, chill out, yeah. read a book, have yeah. a bath, whatever, because it's intense. Hmm. Well, he's done the lot. same for it me. Was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing, but it's really difficult because all the training that put in place was, oh, you've got a support network, mm. or there's you know new family groups, or there's this, or the the local park is great because the kids can run around. Right. No, yeah. no, no, no. no, no. no like nothing you're not allowed to meet nanny you're not allowed to meet granddad mm. it was so so hard and oh, emotional for our family as well because obviously the grandparents want to meet yeah. you know Andre yeah, Ricardo but course. they can't yeah. and we were doing doorstep teas and coffees where you know end of the drive they were sat at the end of the drive so 10 meters away trying to you know introduce them to their to their grandchildren oh my god mm. really difficult but oh. i will say at the same time, it was just phenomenal because it just made us bond as a family. Mm. We grew stronger. We did. You know what was I thought was best is that, you know, as a parent, I'll go ask your dad or ask daddy. <laughs> um, you didn't get to that stage because we were, we were so engrossed in it. It was almost like I'd finish your sentence and vice versa because we had so much time to talk about. It, it was the only thing you could talk about. Mm. So for... Yeah. For us, it was great. And then the weather was was brilliant that year. It was in England. Oh, it was yeah. gorgeous. So all the way through March, all the way through to summer, so we could have that 
outdoor space. Mm. They were being potty trained, so it was okay, run free in the garden. <laughs> um, so for us, it was brilliant. Again, if, if you're in a one bedroom or a flat or an apartment, it must have been just so much harder. So we were so grateful for where we were mm. in terms of the house we'd bought before we adopted to make sure yeah. that, I mean, you can't preempt that thing. You can't preempt COVID. No. But for us, we'd made the right decisions. It was just perfect mm. for, for, for the start. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Like I could cry. <laughs> and how's it going now? How old are they? What do they do? What are they, what are they up to? What's going on? How's it going? At the moment, they're on tablets over there. They've been. At, um, we've got holiday at the moment, so they had holiday club today. So their faces faces are painted as Spider Man, and that's the the hero at the moment. <laughs> and how old are they? They're six. They'll be seven next July. Oh, they're just phenomenal. They're they're so good. I mean, I know they're owls, and we and, <laughs> and they will get in trouble at times, and they will be naughty at times. But everyone we come across say they're the, the most adorable but best mm. behaved that, that i will say that, that great well that groundwork came from their foster carer and we've just <laughs> all the all the tips that she gave us we just kept with mm. and the routines we kept with the routine so their their bedtime yeah. is generally their bedtime and um, because yeah. they've always done that so for for us you know we we owe loads to their foster foster carer so what do you use your um social media for just for folks to go follow you it started during lockdown and it was to connect with mm. other same-sex parents or adoptive parents mm. but then it's just grown and and now we feel that we want to give back so now i'm constantly following new adoptive parents and i'm, I'm always saying if you have any questions just ask and we've kept all our documents and videos and, and we do occasionally get people ask oh how did you do this or or how okay. did you fill in this form mm. and we always send them the information so it's it's good to to give back i also think it's it's important for the boys to see yeah. other same-sex couples yeah, you know see it's totally. normal where we live i don't think there is many so we yeah. we do reach out and we, we've got good connections with other families which we see that's on amazing. a regular basis mm. so yeah, that's yeah. also nice to have yeah it's really important it's really important to have a network that they see it's it's their life out there as well mm -hmm. you know they're the same yeah. as other people as the next person the yeah. next person um, because representation really does matter mm. and you're creating a wonderful well of representation for your kids which is like beautiful and amazing mm. like you're doing the good work i just love it the kids don't see black white they don't see i mean like we were on holiday last year and some child oh, yeah. came up to andre and went where's your mum he went what are you on about i don't have a mum I have a My dad dad's. and daddy. <laughs> They're over there. <laughs> They're there. <laughs> but it's that normalization that. that they are able to express themselves. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm quite open in my job that I talk about me being a, a gay man with my partner and, and mm -hmm. my two children that we've adopted. I use them in almost every assembly because it's a connection. You know, if there's mm -hmm. a story and you can follow a story and you can connect with that story, mm -hmm. you're more likely to, you know, remember the story, but also act on the story because it's real. So that's what we like to do. And it's a safe space and normalization mm. matters, right? Mm. So, right. And, and you create a, a safe space for anybody who, who's in the room hearing that story who identifies in any way exactly. with some part of your story. Exactly. So it's all beautiful. And us showing up as our true authentic selves is so important for the rest of the world. Mm, you know? Unbelievable. Yeah. True. It's true. Yeah. I firmly believe so. And I just absolutely adore you too. And I adore <laughs> your family. And I adore what you're doing, and I just want to lift you up. So thank you for oh, thank everything you, you do. Thank you so much. I, love I mean, it. 
it's lovely to connect as well in terms of mm. have platforms like this because one thing I do felt that we struggled with is finding that information. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, your podcast is inspirational in terms that there's people who can listen and you can start even not finding the, the facts or just starting a conversation mm. um, because yep. we can find. Talked about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And if it is talked about, if the adoption we were just talked about, it's talked about from a heteronormative lens for the mm. most part, you know, mm. our perspectives are a little bit different. We are a little, our stories are different. Our paths are different. They're the same. It also has its own unique yeah. differences, mm. right? Yeah. And so it's important yeah. to hear stories from our lenses, mm. just to hear those little tiny nuances that some, or some big nuances that happen, you yeah. know, in our stories, in our journeys. And there are no guidebooks. It's where we become a family. It's what do we call ourselves? <laughs> Little things exactly. like that. That took a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you call yourselves? Dad, daddy. <laughs> yeah. So we settled <laughs> quite. <laughs> it took about three weeks, but it's those things you don't think about. Well, you know what? Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to make every single decision too. It took you three yeah. weeks to come up with those. Yeah, <laughs> me and my wife. No, seriously, because I think we both wanted to be mommy and, you know, one of us had to bend, Mm, right? And so, and I love who I'm, I'm mama, she's mommy. And basically it's just mom now anyway. Mm, (laughs) Mom, mom. Basically you're just yelled at as mom, no matter what. But yeah, like every little thing in our Mm. families really does have to be decided. Yeah, It's not just, we don't fit the norm. So we have to create what our norm is and that's, that's right. the beauty and that's mm. also part of the difficulties in our journeys and that's why accounts like yours resources is like this podcast all of mm. this stuff is really important like you said to get the conversation going mm. to get the thoughts going 100 percent, 100 percent. oh my god well if i'm ever over there i'm gonna come visit you <laughs> oh definitely yeah. yeah you have to have you been to <laughs> london before I've been to London once and I was only there for, I think, three or four days. Wow. So I am due a visit to London. Okay. Deal. So you'll have to pay as a visit. Yeah, I will. I really will. Watch out. Show up on your door with my kids. <laughs> we have a spare room. That's fine. Don't worry. Perfect. Okay, we're coming. <laughs> this has really just been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to share this with the listeners. It's going to be a great episode. Mm. Thank you so, Thank so you. much for listening to our story. Mm. Really appreciate it. Oh my God, anytime, anytime. And I'll be following you on the socials. So. Thank you. Oh Thank my you. goodness. <laughs> Queer Family Podcast. A special thanks once again to our sponsor, California Cryobank. Don't forget, y'all, use that code QUEERFAM, Q-U-E-E-R-F-A-M, for a free level two subscription to their donor catalog. Go make those babies, y'all, and then come tell me about it. (laughs) Go make them. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Love is love. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, Feel free to listen to another or watch another. I have so many episodes for your listening or viewing pleasure. Just go pick one and and enjoy. There's a lot. There really is. And also, if you really do like this show, please, I know I say it all the time, but please do consider supporting the show on Patreon. You're just going to go to patreon.com slash the queer family podcast. You're going to pick a tier. You're going to join and you're going to get that bonus content. And you're also going to get my love and adoration for the rest of my life. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Keep on tuning in and I'll see you next time. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>